Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. My name is Mark Phillips. I'm the student minister here at Oakwood. I work with middle school and high school students. So if we've never met, hello. Great to meet you. Um, today, uh, man, I'm going to talk about um, several things. But one of the things that I want to talk about is Mario. Anyone ever play the Mario games growing up? Man, I love the Mario franchise. They're just, just so good. And it's one of those things that they just keep like redoing it, and but no one cares because it's still really good. Um, I remember when I was a lot younger, I have two older brothers, and, uh, and I loved playing Mario, and I would, I would play for hours and hours and hours. And, um, you know, of course, the system uh, was my brothers and, and the game and the controller and the room and the oxygen. It was all my brother's, and, and he made sure to remind me of that constantly. Um, but I still loved playing it, and, and especially when he wasn't around. I loved playing it, because then I could just play it and not hear him. It was, it was the best. Um, and, and even still today, I, I love playing Mario Kart or, or, or anything, uh, Mario, because it's just so fun. But, but uh, thinking of the older style like we saw on the screen, um, there's one aspect of the game's uh, from back then that, that is both um, exciting but also builds a lot of anxiety at the same time. And it's the, the fact, the aspect that you cannot go backwards. You can't go backwards. If you're playing the game and, and you miss something, if you miss an opportunity, an item, a, a coin or something, and you run past it, you can't go backwards. So you have to be really wise. You have to be really um, forward-thinking about what you're going to do and how you're going to play. Um, and it's this idea that, that once you've missed it, it's gone. You can't go backwards. And now, if you've never played the Mario games, and you're like, oh, I, I like kind of understand. Let, let me just imagine if you were a very small Italian plumber, and you were running through a world full of tunnels and obstacles and strange animals that don't like you for some reason, and you are trying to navigate, and along the way, there's much, 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 like real life, these levitating blocks that you punch to receive items. I mean, it's, and, and you get these cool things, um, and, and there's all kinds of stuff that pops out of there. There's, uh, there's mushrooms, there's stars, even dinosaurs will pop out sometimes. And it's this really cool thing. And, and each one of those items, um, they give you something. They give you something. They give you some sort of ability. Sometimes they give you the ability, you know, if you eat a flower, now you can, like, shoot fireballs out of your hands. Um, if you get a star, you start lighting up like, like a light show or something. And it's, and it's amazing. But there's this, one, there's this one item that everyone really should want. Sometimes it's overlooked, but, but everyone should want this item, and it's this little green mushroom. And what it does is it gives you an extra life. What a cool concept. 
exactly like real life, right? You get an extra life. And if you've ever played Mario, you know inevitably you will probably die at some point, several times. But if you have extra lives, you can keep playing. You just start over. I should get play again, play again. It's so great. Mario is really cool, but I think we can pull some truth from, from this game and, and kind of this absurdity. You and I should be constantly searching for life. We should constantly be searching for life. And not only life um, from what the world has to offer, but, but life from the life giver, the life sustainer, the one who gave us life to begin with. We should constantly be searching for life. And you know, and like Mario, he, he's running, he has a goal, right? He, his goal is to navigate his world without dying and to get to the prize, which is Princess Peach. You see, yeah, some of you know, yeah. See, Princess Peach was kidnapped by this really large, angry tortoise. We're not really sure what his issue is, but he doesn't like Princess Peach or Mario, and so he kidnaps her, and Mario tries to get her back. And I know this sounds strange, but it's actually a pretty good illustration for what I want to speak about this morning. If you would, in your Bibles or your phone or, or tablet, turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you have our app, you can uh, access it through, through our app. Uh, but Philippians chapter 3, there's Bibles in the pews around you. We'll be in verse 13 and 14. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And I'm going to kind of start halfway through 13, so don't get cut off guard there. Philippians 3, 13. I'm going to read this out loud. It'll be on the screens, and I want you to follow along as we do that. Philippians 3. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So let's look at this for a moment. Um, Paul's talking about a goal. We all have goals. Uh, he's talking about a goal. And, and this morning, I have an illustration to, to kind of really bring this home. Um, and what Paul's doing is talking about like an archery target. Um, and so I've got a couple friends in the back who are going to come out and help me with this. Um, Paul's referencing this idea that... Um, when you're living your life, the goal of the Christian is holy living, to be holy like God is holy. And he's talking about an archer's bullseye, like hitting the mark, right? And some of you are starting to get nervous, and it's okay. Um, he won't be shooting, so it's fine. Um, but the, the, the point Paul's making here is that, that we have a goal to be holy and to hit the mark. And sometimes we miss, sometimes we fail, but thank you kind sir. Um, and so I brought my friend Heath, who is actually really uh, talented with this. This is like my second time to do this, so um, <laughs> first service was my first time. No, I'm <clears throat> just kidding. Kind of. I got a, so a little backstory. I didn't share this in first, maybe you can see it. My arm is like, I, Heath beat me up. This is Heath, and he, this contraption is apparently really dangerous for two reasons. One, it shoots a projectile really fast, but it also does this to you. And, and I didn't know that, and he failed to mention that to me. So that was exciting. Hands of a professional versus, professional versus novice. Yes, that is true. Okay, so, 
so what we're going to do here is, is try to put into action um, what Paul's talking about there in Philippians 3, that, that the goal is holy living, and the holy living is like that bullseye, and we want to hit the mark. Sometimes we're off, sometimes we miss, but we want to live a life that we are constantly aiming, constantly pushing towards that target. And so I'm going to go first and try to show Heath up here with my really cool, less uh, awful bow. All right, here we go. So, and if, if I do really good, feel free to cheer wildly. All right, here we go. <laughs> no pressure. Oh, oh, he stepped out there and I got really nervous. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Whew. That freaked me out. All right. This is real. Hey. You did it again. That's pretty good. All right, no pressure, but all of us are expecting you to either hit the bullseye or split my arrow. So I believe in you. I think you can do it. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. You've done that before, I think. That's great. He didn't do that in first service, so that's fun. Great job. Thank you, sir. Here, I'll give you that. Um, the, the, and that, that's, that's really fun. But the reality is, that's exactly how Paul is talking about us living our life, to be aiming for the bullseye. Because I think some of us have settled into a mentality that if I just hit anywhere in the target, I'm okay. Right? I'm, not, I'm not like missing entirely. Right? We start comparing ourselves to other people, other Christians, and even non-Christians. Well, I'm not like those people, so, so really I'm doing all right. But I think Paul and I think God is calling us to something higher, something greater. I think, in fact, I know that we are called to be holy as God as, is holy. And if we settle, for, for frankly, for mediocrity, if we, if we settle for, for well, I'm, I'm hitting the target, I come to church once a month, I, I read my Bible when, when the pastor you know, tells me to, so I'm, I'm okay. But the reality is, God is calling us to something so much greater, so much bigger, and I want to make this clear. God is not calling you to perfection. God is calling you to holiness. See, perfection was personified in his son Jesus. And so his, his expectation of you is not perfection, it's holiness. And for some of you, that might be relief. Like, oh, good. Some of you, that might be a brand new concept. You are not called to perfection. You are called to holiness. The goal is holy living. Another illustration that Paul uses here in Philippians is the idea of a runner, someone running, which is something I never do because it's the worst, but it makes sense. Paul talks about a runner, how, how, a run, how does a runner succeed? He can't be concerned with what happened at the beginning of the race, whether he messed up coming out of the blocks or even if he did really, really well those first few yards, he can't think about that. He can't focus on it. He must focus his concentration completely on the goal line. Driving forward 
with everything in his body that it has to offer and straining every muscle. You see, the goal for the Christian is to be holy as God is holy. We aren't aiming for perfection. We're aiming for holiness. We want to look like Jesus. We know that we fail at perfection. If any of you have examined your own life for one second, you know that you failed at perfection. But I can strive to look like Jesus. I can strain for holiness in my life. I can live for something bigger and greater than myself, the holiness of God. And if I hit my goal, what happens? Right? Because we have a goal, but then there's a prize. Because how disappointing is that to run in a race? I mean, you actually had to like run, which again is the worst. At least you could get a prize for that, right? And so if there's no prize, like why am I running? Sometimes we need to be reminded of the prize. The prize for a Christian is eternal life. Sometimes we get those confused, the goal and the prize. The goal is what we're doing here. Holiness. Living. To look like Jesus. But the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus is eternity with him. And there's no shame in saying that. There's no shame in saying that is what I've committed my life to. I want to be holy because he is holy because he's given me life. And I know that that if I live that life out, he has offered me the prize of salvation, eternity with him forever. And that is what we should be looking to. We can't just stop here. We have to look forward to a life with Jesus the author, the sustainer of life, to be with life itself, Jesus, constantly searching for life. And so let's go back to our passage and and break that down a little bit. Paul says, forget what lies behind. Forget what lies behind. You can't live your life to the fullest. You can't live your life the way that God wants you to live your life, has anticipated for you to live your life if you are constantly looking back at what has already happened. You can't. I think if we were honest, let's show of hands here. Let's get a little honest here. Um, How many of you would say that you've spent any amount of time, big, short, um, worrying, thinking about things that happened in the past? Something from your past? Good. Yeah, everyone, because you're normal. Good. Be honest again. How many of you would say that whatever amount of time that you thought about those things and and you worried about them, that that actually helped you. There's some truth there, isn't it? That if I'm constantly worrying about what I've done wrong in the past, I'm looking back, man, I I wish I wouldn't have done that. How can I fix this? The reality is, it's done. And there's no sense in you spending your life thinking about what's already happened when you're still here. And we need to be pressing forward, not back. See, I think we as the church have gotten really good at coming to the cross of Jesus and we bring our shame and we bring our guilt and we bring all of our baggage and we come to the cross and we kneel at the foot of Jesus' cross and we lay it down and we say, Jesus, here I am. I'm vulnerable. Take it. I don't want it anymore. I want to live for you. I'm sincere. I'm contrite. And and here it is. And then we get up and we say, thank you, Jesus. That was amazing. I'm so thankful for you. 
Let me just gather my things and I'll be on my way. And when we take all of that stuff that we're supposed to leave there and we carry it with us still. See, we're really good about bringing it and dropping it. But we're not so good about leaving it there. We have to forget what lies behind. Because if you don't, that's where you're going to live. In your brokenness. In the things that you know you don't want and like. But God has called you to something better. Forget what lies behind. Straining forward. When, when was the last time that you strained for something? That's a word we don't really use very often. I'm not talking about straining your spaghetti. I'm talking about what is it, when's the last time you actually did something that required much of you? I'm talking about the normal pressures of life, you know, my job, my relationship, my bank account. All, all, that's, that stuff's normal and that's the stuff we have to walk through every day. What I'm talking about is when was the last time you did something, especially for the kingdom that required much of you? Something that had blood and sweat and tears and, and time and commitment yeah, because I think we've begun, we've become a culture of Christians who, will, who are very comfortable sitting in a pew. But when it comes time to do something that will impact the kingdom, we're not as quick to jump at that opportunity. When we know that person, man, man, I feel like I really should go talk to that person. I got, man, I got to be somewhere in like three hours, so I can't, I can't do that. I think God has called you to something better, something bigger. He's called you to holiness, to strain forward. Sometimes I think we forget that the same power that raised Jesus from death to life is at work in us. The same power that brings something that is dead to life is at work in you here today. And because of that, it should cause us to live a life where we say, no, I'm not comfortable retiring from my faith. And that doesn't have an age limit. Because the reality is that's nowhere in Scripture. This, all right, I've made it. Just take it easy. Right, I did my time, so now I can just sip some sweet tea with Jesus and we'll be cool. Right? Every morning, just a cup of coffee, look at the sunrise, you're good, God. On with my day. That doesn't exist in Scripture, that mentality. And if there was anybody, anybody who could have said, you know what, I think I could do that, I think I deserve that, it would have been Paul, right? Pharisee of Pharisees, right? Knew the law. I mean, that guy had all the degrees you could probably have in his time. He knew different languages. I mean, the guy was awesome. And then when he became a Christian, when he started following Jesus, I mean, he arguably the greatest missionary ever. Started all these churches, went on these missionary journeys, was shipwrecked. I mean, the guy had a story. And if there was anyone who could say, you know what, I think, I think I've done enough. I'm just going to relax. That is not what Paul did. That is not what he encouraged the churches that he wrote to to do. He, in fact, 
above all else for me to live as Christ but to die as gain. I will live my life for Christ and I mean it because God has called me to something better, to holiness. To holiness. We have to strain forward. And so Paul, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward, I press on to the goal. Well, what's the goal? Holy living. To be holy as I am holy. I'm going to ask my helpers to come back up for one more illustration. Um, and I saw this years ago at a, uh, at a youth ministry uh, deal, and, and oh, I'm missing one. Oh, there he is. Okay. Uh, you can just stay on that side, and you can be on that side. Okay. Uh, so, so Heath here's going to play the role of Jesus. Um, wow, he looks so good. Uh, and, then, and then Austin's going to play the role of Austin, which is really good for him, because that's who you are, right? Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, and, and so here's what we do, right? We, we, we all are, are Austin in this scenario, and, and Jesus is over there, and say, hi, Jesus. Hi, Jesus. And Jesus is waving back. Hey, Austin. Uh, and, and so we, when we want to be like Jesus, we get in this mode of like, okay, I'm, I see Jesus and I want to I live like him. I want to be like him. And so we start trying to do what Jesus does. And so Jesus starts, you know, oh, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do that because that's what Jesus does, right? And so anything Jesus does, he starts trying to mimic Jesus. But all the time, we're over here on the sidelines watching from a distance. I want to be like Jesus. So I'm going to try really hard and probably fail, Right? The reality is, we don't want to stand from the sidelines and look to Jesus and try to be like him on the outside. We want to start moving closer to Jesus. Because when we do that, we see things better. We see things clearer. And it's like the sun and the moon. When the sun is shining, it, it reflects off of the moon to us. And that's how we can see at nighttime. Because Austin, we are not becoming the light. The light is still Jesus and always will be Jesus. We are not holy because in and of ourselves we have that power. We only have that power because we get closer to Jesus. And the closer we get, the more and more we look like him, only because he's reflecting off of us. We don't have the power in and of ourselves. But when we're closer to Jesus, we see clearly. We look more like him simply because We're close to him. We're not all the way over there trying our best because that's going to fail. We want to be right with Jesus next to him in his mission. Good job, guys. Thank you. Yeah, look at that. And I think we've gotten into a mindset and a culture that says, It's okay if I just hit the target. It's okay if I just mimic him. It's not enough. God's called us to holiness. And remember that we press on to the goal for the prize. Literally, the fullness and blessings and rewards for the age to come, most especially being in perfect fellowship with Christ forever. That's not a metaphor. The reality of what we're straining for is to be in perfect fellowship with Jesus forever. That is our prize. That's what we're living for. Sometimes we think the goal is the end game. We just want to be a good person. We just want people to think highly of us. 
But if that's your end game, if that's, if that's what you're working for, just to be a good person while you live here, you're going to die, and then that's it for you. The prize is eternity. That's where our eyes need to go. Not that we forget what we're doing. We forget what lies behind and is holding us back so that we can live effectively in God's holiness through the power of his Holy Spirit. So that when we get closer and closer to Jesus, more and more people see his light. Not our light, it's his. We have to remember the prize. For Mario... He's straining for Princess Peach. Wow, that was a tongue twister. Princess Peach. And he's going through all these obstacles and and enemies and and his goal is to do it effectively and and quickly so that he can receive his prize of, of Princess Peach. Our goal is to navigate our world. All of the hurts, all the disappointments, all the the hang-ups, However, I think Paul, the worst of sinners by his own admittance, is saying that something uh, is quite profound here and it's quite practical. We have to forget what's behind. We have to stop living in our past failures and we have to start living in God's holiness. Because when we do that, we start looking more and more like Jesus. Today is senior recognition. We're going to honor some seniors here in a little bit. And for you, um, I'd like to draw attention to you for a second. But don't check out because while this is directed to them, it is for all of us. I think that this text is especially important for you. You live in a world and a culture that has convinced you that you're at the height of achievement in your, your graduation of high school. And while I think honor uh, is due where it is due, you have accomplished something, and that's tremendous. I think that something's gone slightly off. Because you see, you're graduating high school, and, and, the, and the world and, and society said, the world is yours. You can do anything you want. Shoot for the moon, and even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. While all that's good and while it's encouraging and I highly support passion and straining for something, I even more so advocate for the kingdom of God because ultimately that is what your life should be about. And so you've entered into a time where the world wants to put all of the focus on you. But I I think there's two things that we need to think about because of where you're at in life. One, this season typically lacks humility. Be humble. Be humble. Understand that you are important and you are valued. And because of that, you have nothing to prove. The God of the universe looks at you says you're mine and there's nothing that I want more than a relationship with you and if the God of the universe is saying that you have nothing to prove because you're his be humble 
and know who you belong to. Be humble. The second thing, this season, this culture shifts focus from God and puts it on you. And again, it's worth celebrating. But at the heart, who is it about? Because even in moments of success and even in moments of victory, we can turn that and give glory to the one who deserves it above all else. And the temptation is to make it about us. And not just at graduation, but sometimes in a job promotion. Sometimes in the success of life. We turn away from acknowledging the one who is over all things and we make it about us. But without him, we would have nothing. Because at the name of Jesus, all things are in submission. All authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. He is above all things and he is in all things. And through Jesus, all things are held together. And we need to recognize that. Even in moments of success and victory. Because he is the one who deserves it. So as we honor you today, graduates, know that we are proud of you. We want you to be successful and ambitious and courageous as you leave here and you go to a new stage of life. But we also want to send you out. We want you to take the knowledge and experience that you gained through services, through student ministry, through all of the knowledge that you've gained at your time here, And we want you to apply it to your relationships and your opportunities that God will place before you. And may you know that God is for you. That he will never leave you. And he desires you deeply. He has purchased you and he loves you beyond your imagination. Walk in that truth and lean in to him. And if you do that, if you hit the mark, you can be sure there's a prize waiting for you.